Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shift podcast for chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and uh, I have my my uh, most favorite co-host in the world with me again, Brandy. Welcome, my dear. Hello, Dr. Don. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. So today, uh, we haven't really had a chat on the podcast uh, since the pandemic uh, crushed the planet. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about, um, just about kind of uh, some of your observations, because again, we have a lot of interactions with a lot of chiropractors all over the world, and it seems like most people are, are experiencing the same sort of things, but then also give some tips on how to not only kind of grow your practice at this tough time, but also kind of protect your energy. So um, first thing I'm just going to start off with is kind of what are, what are some of your obser- observations of chiropractic around the world right now uh, during this uh, crazy time? <laughs> Do you want that in like five minutes or less or what? Yeah, you know, just in a, in a, in a point form. Or... Well, I think today we're in almost August. I don't know when this podcast will come out. So we're, we're a good like, you know, almost four months past when the world closed down, even if chiropractors didn't fully close down around the world, it basically crushed a lot of, a lot of practices. So I think we're observing different things now than we observed March, April. Um, for us, we opened in May, but uh, depending on what people, March, April, May, sort of. I think in the early part of the what happened for all of us, we were all in, a, the way I've described it is we were all in a state of shock. And I think as um, it was the acute I've been likening it to our, when we're with our turbo shifters in our mentorship group, I've likened it to an injury to the body where the body goes into shock and, uh, and it has to do sort of some acute immediate healing. So in that time we were doing a lot of sort of trying to recover from the shock and the unknown of what was going to happen and when we were going to be able to come back and if we were going to be able to come back and where people would be at that point. And, so it was, it was fairly acute and it was fairly uh, painful. And as things started to slowly grind back, although not the same with a lot of restrictions and a lot of um, mandates and rules that sort of are contraindicative to, to where we live in the health promotion paradigm, I think it became more um, underlying and kind of chronic pain <laughs> versus acute yeah, pain. So as the shock wore off, but the body still has to recover from that t- that time and place of injury, and I think we are in that chronic um, stage right now. That's how I view it. Where you know, although around the world we have, I think, fourteen countries that are in our shift, so we're fairly familiar with most countries and their perspective of where they're at right now. Most countries have some um, degree of mandates and restrictions still today and it's it impacts how people practice and it really has impacted our communities that come to see us and so we we maybe don't see the acute fear that we saw early on but we see the systemic fear in our people and that underlying um 
almost desensitization to what's happening to us right now, almost like a resignment to this way of living and this way of being. And it's really uh, not a healthy resignment, I don't think. And so I see that with chiropractors as well, just sort of that shoulder shrug, what can I do? It is what it is. And, and to some degree, that's true. It's certainly um, from the perspective of our rules and how we have to practice, that's true. But there's still a lot of um, internal locus of control things that we do. We can make still decisions over and, and uh, that those are the things I think that have always needed to be the focus. So I think we're in that, in that lower part of the, the healing phase where it's sort of that underneath the obvious um, injury is all the things now I think that we need to heal. And it's still hard. It's sort of similar to, you know, any of your competitive sports players that have an acute injury. Um, and then as they start to heal, they just keep sort of banging on that part of their injury. They won't rest. That's sort of how I view it. We just haven't had any rest from it. It's just every day is something new. It's something different and different rules. And like, so it, it, yes, it's not as acute and we're not in shock, but like we, we're not able to really fully heal because we just keep banging away at it, right? With what's, what, what's happening around the world. So I think I've, I'm observing some of that now. And I think we're seeing, um, if I can use the, the worst term ever, but the second wave of, of fear and um, an injury, but it's, it's, it's less obvious, um, but more chronic, I think. And this is the stage, if we, we can't recover from it, I don't know that we'll be able to recover. Well, and I think this is just like, uh, as we talk about stages of healing, if someone's in an acute phase, um, that initial fight or flight response gives you extra cortisol and gives you some extra energy. So you're kind of in that fight or flight um, so that gives you some extra energy to kind of go, well, we're going to get people back. We're going to make sure we keep in contact with all our practice members. We're going to stay on top of it. And then as it turns into the chronic one, it almost gets into the fight, flight, or freeze. And so if we're not careful, a lot of chiropractors can get into that state where, oh my God, this is never going to end. And then they just, they, they start decreasing the amount of energy they put into their practice. And that can be kind of the nail in the coffin because if we're not, if we're not elevating, um, in this response, you know, we can go two ways with like, we have practices around the world right now that are crushing it and other practices that are like, there's basically crickets in their office. And so, so this is an important time to not take our foot off the gas. Right. But it, but we, again, we'll talk a bit about this in a second, but there, but there's ways that we got to look after ourselves so we don't get cut, kind of caught in the drama. Because yeah, it, it, well, you see it all the time with, um, well, we see it in our practice. You have to imagine it sort of like your first responders or your soldiers. We always say to them, what's, what happens is when they're in the state of whatever, responding or war, they're in the ready position or an elite athlete, you're in a ready position while you're in the game. That ready position is that fight, flight, or position. And it makes you really good at the time to do what you need to do. But if you, the more sustained the ready position is, the more breakdown the body starts to go into over time because you don't need to be in the ready position all the time. And I think for anywhere from six weeks to three months, chiropractors were in the ready position. We were all, none of us knew when it was going to turn around, when it was going to reopen, when we were going to be able to do what we were going to do, how that was going to look. And what that meant is we were in that ready position for a long time. And the longer you're in the ready position, the more likely you are to, to hit the, the freeze position afterwards because you burnt out your physiology. So now you don't have any get up and go. So that's what I mean when we see the systemic stuff coming up now for a lot of people. They don't have the energy now, more so now than before because that adrenaline has worn off. And it's not a good thing, but it, it's, it's a survival thing. And so a lot of us that were really concerned that we wouldn't come back from this or just how are we going to survive past this or perhaps 
chiropractors who, you know, a lot of people we know didn't have savings. And so they, they had to access help and they had to access grants. And, you know, you use your adrenaline to get through that period of time. But now we're going to start to see that underlying stuff come up. And we do, and I do notice that a lot of people are in that state today versus before. So they don't really have to get up and go anymore because they're tired and they're burnt out. And, and again, like, like every day, it's maybe not the acute injury, but it's these little nicks, you know, small deaths, uh, small cuts lead to death, right? So it's like little, little mini cuts. And so every day is like a little mini cut to an injury that hasn't healed. And that's sort of where I see people right now. So that being said, knowing that there are probably a lot of chiropractors around the world kind of feeling that, like even we see practice members, they're just like, I'm so done with this. Like, I just want it to be over. And it, when we know it's probably going to take a while to be over, it's going to be around for a while. Um, what are some things that people can do to kind of help protect themselves um, and, and to kind of regain a little bit of that energy that we know we need to kind of put into our practice at the moment? Well, I think you had, I think there were three, three components or three types of practices that we saw. Number one, were practices that never closed. So in, in that case, it was pretty much business as usual. They may have had, they had a small dip early on. Um, they were considered essential. We saw this a lot in the United States, in Australia. And, and really, from the perspective of practice itself, other than, of course, their, the public they were serving were, were impacted, the chiropractic business part of it really wasn't that impacted to, to any degree other than some dips. And maybe they're still down, you know, 20%, but, but certainly nothing like those that got devastated. And so that type of practice, um, that type of chiropractor that had that, that had that experience for them, really, they, they didn't really need to do much except perhaps to adapt some of their procedures to maybe some rules as far as distancing or, you know, if masks came in. But from the perspective of, of um, practice, they really didn't change a lot of stuff. So they're the ones now... I think that um, at the time had to stay really insulated because we found that those folks really didn't relate to the rest of the world that were shut down and devastated. So in that period of time, they really their job was to really stay insulated because they wanted to really just focus on their practice because they couldn't relate necessarily. And I think if you did that in that time, you're, you came out of this pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, yes, it may not be exactly where you were at, but you're thankful. A lot of those chiropractors were thankful that they weren't experiencing what other countries and jurisdictions had to experience. And maybe now it's just a regular summer or winter where we are and you're doing some holidays, right? Because you need a break. Well, I was just going to say some, some of the, the dangers of that, though, is that, is that when there's a huge trauma, it really it, it fires the alarm bell so that you can actually have a response. Sometimes if it's such a gradual bleed, like you just, lo- you just drop by 20%, but it doesn't seem that bad, and then you compare yourself to the rest of the world, sometimes you take your foot off the gas, and then that's like the insidious draw on your practice. So that's something to be aware of if you're one of those chiropractors that you still need to be on the ball because society is being annihilated by the media and, and their consciousness has dropped so much that it will still affect you no matter what. So I think in those, the only warning with those ones is the longer term warning that all of a sudden you might just wake up and you're like, holy cow, my practice is down like 30, 40%, but it just was such a gradual thing. You didn't really notice it. Right. So it just be, totally. yeah. Yeah. Good point. And that problem was not going to show up for some time because if you're comparing yourself to somebody who's devastated, it seems like you're doing fairly well. And that's always the worst. We don't want any of those comparisons. Your experience was unique, but over the next probably six months, you do want to be aware of, of where you're at with that. Um, 
And again, if you insulated yourself in that time, you probably were okay. The problem was if you didn't insulate yourself in that time, but you were still okay in the practice, you're probably going to find out in the future or even now it's starting to bleed on your practice. The second chiropractor we saw was, was us. Um, what happened was we were closed, but we were not closed for as long as some people were closed. So we were closed for six weeks where we lived um, and we were open only for emergency or critical care in six weeks. We never left the practice. So we did go in three mornings a week. We did see critical care and emergency people. It was, it was great from the sense of when we were able to reopen the day it could happen, it could happen for us. We already had all the protocols in place. We had already been seeing people. Yes, we were like, well, it's harder now than it was before, which seemed ironically hilarious, but we were, we were good to go. So that was, that was a whole bunch of chiropractors who, who said, you know, I'm going to stay open to see critical care, do whatever it takes to see my people if they need me. And they were more likely to transition into being reopened. That leads to the population of people who reopen after six to eight to 10 weeks of re- reopen back to regular care and either the, it's split into two different types of clinics. One, you exploded, like you were busier before the shutdown or two, it, it didn't and you, didn't, you weren't able to capture your regular people. Now, I say that's group two because group three is similar. They were just closed longer. And group three is the group who were not even allowed to be open at all. So they didn't see any care at all over two or three months. So they were completely closed down. So, the, the, but how they opened, they split into the exact same uh, two groups of people. Either they exploded or, and they knew the date they were reopening and they stacked those weeks and their regular people came back to them um, or they are still rebuilding. So that's where we are today. We're with the people who, um, you know, most of us in that time that were closed to any degree, either at all or a little bit, we really didn't know how, how we were going to come back to, from it. And I think that's, everybody could agree that they weren't sure. Um, we did fall into the category in our office where we um, did very well. Uh, we were surprised how quickly it took us to get back to where we were, just in a matter of weeks. And, and we were really, really blessed with that. Um, it, it also made us look at if you're in that category of people, you probably recognize that some of your regulars just didn't come back. And what happened was it filled up with people that were ready to come back to you. And that was, that was not necessarily a bad thing, right? Actually. So, you know, even if 10 or 15% of your people didn't come back or 20% of your people didn't come back, but you filled those spots with new people that, you know, if a new person was coming into your office in that time, um, they're not that concerned. So they're coming in and they're, they're you know, ready to go and they want help versus your existing people that haven't felt brave enough to venture back. You know, now the question is there's probably not a lot of space for them left. People that are still, re- the second part of people are people that are rebuilding still and having a hard time either with new people and or getting people back to their office. And that's also a huge percentage of chiropractors right now. And I think there's probably a lot of, of reasons for that, but one of the key things we've noticed is a burnout has played a big part in that population of chiropractors. Not only the ready position, but typically in that time, as most of the people we work with have young children. Um, and so especially the, our female chiropractors who were responsible if they were part with partners who worked outside of chiropractic, still working, they were responsible in modifying all of their time to, um, caretake their children, not only caretake their children, but if they were of school age, they were 
um, in, outside of Australia, they were having to homeschool their kids. And so there was a lot on families' plates. And I think that in that period of time, beyond just worrying about the practice um, sustainability, was also the family dynamics. And we're finding a lot of those chiropractors coming back don't have because they're burnt out, they don't have to get up and go. And their practice hasn't really come back to where they wanted it to be at this point. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a, a big thing. And first of all, kudos to everybody out there. Cause like everybody's going through a hard time and everybody's doing the best they can. So um, what, what kind of things can they do to kind of help protect themselves? Cause right now you kind of, if we're not conscious, we're going to like these death of a thousand cuts. Uh, how can we stop a little bit of the cuts? <laughs> We stop some of those cuts. <laughs> well, I, we do a lot of this in our coaching group. Or, um, this is all about protected emotional space that um, you have to be really, a lot, you know, a lot of people did this again. So in the acute injury, it, we all sort of did the same thing. We shut off the news. We haven't done, you and I haven't watched the news since March. Um, yeah. You started kind of trickling back to the doom scrolling of like Facebook posts about I, like I have numbers to admit, and I'm, stuff. My name is Don McDowell and I'm a little bit of a doom scroller. So I have to you're, you're a doom scroller. I can't be a doom um, scroller. But in that, it, so in the obvious time, so this is what happens, right? This is why it's death by a thousand cuts versus one big cut to the carotid artery. In the really obvious times, we all shut off the news, um, shut down people out of social media, didn't read all the, oh, right? We really, because there wasn't anything you could do about it. But now as the world slowly is grinding again, it's still the same doom. And we are, we are allowing more of it into our, into our energy. And so you, you really have to protect your emotional space right now um, more than ever, more than you did before, because this is the nicking over and over of that cut. And it's, you're not allowing it to heal. And, and it's, it is in ways that um, you, you're not imagining. It is in ways of like, you know, like I said with you, it's like, clicking on links that um, you know you shouldn't. Like, it's almost like an obsession. You see a link and you're like, I just got to, that's what clickbait is. Like, I just have to read this, right? So you've got to go back to, yeah, maybe you're not watching CNN or the news channel anymore, but you're still kind of nicking by reading things that aren't helpful. And, and you know what? It's not even helpful. I hate to say this. This is unpopular. It's not even helpful to read things you agree with because it doesn't make a difference. If you read a, a, a article about somebody who is stating something that you're like, yeah, exactly. But it doesn't change any of your reality. It actually makes you more frustrated. Great. <laughs> so that I, I'm saying this to practice members all the time that are like, yeah, but this, and I'm like, I know that, but like, it's not going to change it right now. So it yeah, it's like, making it matter to read something you agree with because you see it's not changing. Because when someone shares the post on the ineffectiveness of masks, and then in your town, it's by law mandatory. Yeah, it's not really helpful. Exactly. That's not helpful for you. Yeah. And so you, you, it starts to trickle into your consciousness, and that I think is that that is that slow bleed we're talking about. So you really have to learn how to protect your emotional space. You have to learn. I mean, God knows. Go back and listen to how to set boundaries with concentric circles of family and friends and in the public. And, you know, we become creative. If there's certain things you don't believe, listen, I I'm happy that people believe in certain things over others and I don't. So if I choose not to believe in something, I have been creative in how I get my services and where I get my hair done and how I get my nails done and where I shop and how I shop. I've just become creative. I've just changed the way I do things to minimize my exposure to things that really start to trickle into my space. 
And so you just, you have to almost do an inventory of how you are um, using your energy and also what are you allowing into your space. And, and you know, you know exactly what you allow in. It starts to create an anxiety response. And as soon as you have an anxiety response, you have two options. You just either keep seeking the response and just do it again, hope you don't get it, or you start to block some of that stuff from coming into your space. Because when you need, you will need that energy to rebuild if you are in the place of having, having not rebuilt yet. And if you're in this position of making decisions about your children in school, and maybe have decided that, you know, for the first time ever, you're going to learn how to homeschool. Now, on top of that, you not only have a business you have to run, you are homeschooling your family. So now you become a teacher, right? And so you only have so much energy in your system to use towards certain things. So you need to really protect that. And so that's just about boundaries and it's about setting them and it's about standing by them. And you're not going to be awesome at it all the time, but at least you can um, make an effort to autopsy your energy and your time and really be careful about what comes into your space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, this also happens with, with things that you do. So we, we talked about this with our group too, a little bit about um, doing some activities that take your mind off things. So, so one, one is like uh, deliberately shutting out the things that automatically do create those cuts, but maybe just talk a little bit about activities you can do that actually help to shut our brain off. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you're all, most people listen to this are chiropractors or, or staff. You, you should know <laughs> that, that in order to, take the brain to a different place, you need movement. Um, and you need to basically do something that you normally don't do. And so activity, you know, when you're in that burnt out state, first of all, nobody's suggesting if you're kind of chapped your adrenals out, which a lot of us did in that time that you go start running marathons, but you need to move your body. And so any of that lethargy that's happening for we see it with our practice members, we've seen it with our chiropractor uh, clients, they just feel like slugs. So if you feel like a slug or a sloth, you are in that kind of freeze, kind of low affect state, you need to move and you need to do something that stimulates your brain in a different way. And that means not thinking about something, but doing something. And the more that you can do something, then the more you focus on that. So it's really reframing your focus, the less you think about all the stuff that you don't have any control over. And so I know it's frustrating because there's, you know, even yesterday you said, you know, it's hard for a long-term planner like me to not long-term plan. I'm like, well, you're not really a long-term planner. You're more of a long-term worrier. And that's really what we see with people. You're, you're, you're worrying about September, October, January, but you don't, we don't know. And that is actually the problem. It's not about the fact you can't plan. It's the fact that you don't know. And we can't know because unfortunately decisions are being made that are beyond most of our control. And so the more you spend in planning something around something you don't know, the more fatigued you become. So to get you present, you have to move and you have to find something that you normally don't do. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether that means you're working out, whether you're going to go tackle some stairs. I always tell our practice members to go um, hike some stairs and I'll guarantee the only thing you're going to think about at that time is getting to the next stair. So I get you feel fatigued. But you need to do it anyways, or you need to learn a new skill or take on music. You know, and I'd love to say, you know, meditation is great, but let's be honest. Most of us are not meditators and I'm not saying don't do it, but that is probably the most challenging way to over, um, over what would be the right word to actually overtake the brain is through meditation. Now, 
I'm a Joe Dispenza girl. I started with him from scratch. He's a friend of mine. It's great. But I'm telling you, when you are in the latter stages of fatigue, for you to sit down and meditate, it's faster for me to run stairs. It's a quicker response. You can combine both of them, but movement is really what you need to do in some capacity. And it doesn't matter what type of movement it is. Learn music, learn a new skill, do an app, learn artwork, go out and move. It doesn't matter what it is. Do something other than thinking about work, working on work, thinking about your children, working on your children, something other than that. And it'll make a huge difference. I think the biggest difference for me is I know because in our practice, we have to spread out our people because we have to social distance and you have to clean everything and there's way more procedures and I have to practice with a mask and you're low on oxygen. Sometimes when you have your days off, you just like doing nothing because I know I, I want to try to conserve my energy so that I can have it for the practice. And, uh, and so I know you, you said, that's it, we're golfing this year and that you're like, we're making a commitment and we're going either golfing or to the driving range every week because and then we're heading on holidays to go to go golf. But uh, but that was super helpful for me is that we just actually made a commitment to go do, to the driving range or go to do something, even if you don't feel like it. Well, don't confuse um, and don't confuse and or it's not it's not rest or movement, it's rest and movement. Yeah. So rest is critically important. Um, but you, you need to negotiate your own schedule around what that looks like, right? Whether you're going to bed 20 minutes earlier or sleeping in 20 minutes more, like it, rest is just as important as, as doing is. Um, so they don't, they don't replace one another. It's an act. And I think that's really important to just, to, to know you, you do need both. Well, I think that's a good point too, because I know I've really been focused on getting more sleep. And if I don't, you remind me because I can totally tell if I don't get enough sleep time, time, because right now practice to see the same volume you did before takes more energy, no matter what totally. it takes totally. more energy to see the same volume you did before. And so your self-care has to go up insanely at this moment. Yes. Yes. That's huge. So chiropractors out there have stop the thousand cuts they, they've they've managed their environment and they've started to do some activities so that they uh, can shut their brain off through movement whether it's golf or activities or something like that um in this time because sometimes people have they, they decrease their hours or sometimes it's hard for staff to come back is in some countries where they have we have what's called serve in canada where the government's paying them more than they're actually making when they're working. So actually some chiropractors are having a hard time getting staff back because they made more not working. Um, and we notice this with other businesses around the, uh, our city as well. Can you maybe talk to our listeners a bit about what's called surge capacity? Because we really want to make sure that if you get a surge of people that you can take them because right now we want to make sure that we're bringing in those new people to keep our, oh, that's the lifeblood of our practice. Maybe talk a little bit about that surge capacity. Well, early on, we in our um, and on my social media, I, I had everybody opened up and they just opened up all their hours. And this was you. I have quite a few messages after this. They were like, well, that was a bad idea because they, they weren't prepared. Um, not everybody was prepared to come back. So they had all these open hours where what we did early on is we minimized our hours, filled those up and then slowly started adding hours. That's surge capacity. So that, and even it's never too late to do that. If you need to close down your hours, because it's it's best you you everybody listens to this knows, um, even if you haven't experienced it, it's best when you are in the practice to be busy. It is worst when you are there with nothing to do. 
So that goes back to how that burns out your brain. And so surge capacity is really about having the ability within your week to flex to open up more hours or to see more people if you're at the if you're at your capacity in your current hours. Because we're at a time that's really unique and I, and I get wait lists and I get people loved clinics where you know people have to wait for weeks on end to see you. But I'll guarantee you do lose people because we're at a time where there's lots of people who are not at their capacity and they're going to go somewhere else. We're not at a time where people can long-term plan. So they, will, they sort of want what they want and they want it cooked sort of right now when they're in the mindset of making the decision to see a chiropractor. So you're best off in your rebuild to understand surge capacity and have some flex time in your week where you can open up a few hours if needed. It doesn't mean you need to, it's if needed. And so what that means is search capacity is looking at what are the things you're doing in your week that you could either get rid of to come in to see more people, or you could find somebody else to do it because you don't need to do it and also freeze up your time to see more people. And so for us, that happened to us because the, the first two months we just got crushed with new people and we just could not, in our current hours, we could not see them. So we had a surge capacity two-hour block on a Friday morning where for weeks on end, we went in just for two hours on a Friday to see our new people or to do reports for our new people. And that worked out perfectly. And it was, it was not a really, it was not a strain on our hours. It was not a strain on our physiology or our energy because surge capacity only happens when you've taken care of your energy elsewhere. If you have not taken care of your energy elsewhere, then it seems like you're going to burn out because you're working too much. So that's not what surge capacity is. Surge capacity is really the end result of you really being able to understand your energy investment out in a given week and where you can protect it so that if you need it, you can use it. We see this in businesses today. We see it in retail and restaurants where they don't have all the staff back. They don't have all the hours open. And so actually people need them, but they can't access them. That's lost revenue. That is lost business. So we don't want chiropractors to lose revenue and lose business, especially at a time right now where not a lot of people are really pushing to advertise their business right now, but now's the time where people need us the most. So you have the capacity to rebuild quickly if you have the capacity to really understand how you can surge and where you can use your time to do so if you need to. Yeah, and I think this is the vital, important, and again, we've got a lot of people in the shift, uh, the vitality shift, is it, when you have um, really good procedures and processes and objective findings, um, you can take a, a bunch, because for us, we could only take emergency, <clears throat> which is funny because normally it's say, be careful who you attract, because if you attract pain-based um, practice members, they'll just want pain-based uh, care. And we had a whole bunch of pain-based initial uh, practice members because no one else was open because a lot of people did close during that time. And it was funny is that we could only see them for emergency care, but we pre-framed that we have all this extra stuff that we can do down the road that we can't do to you now. So we almost withheld the, the vitality care from them. Because I, I always said we could only like put the fire out, but we couldn't deal with the with the embers. Um, and so I said, as long as you have the fire out, but the embers are still there, we couldn't see you because that was emergency care. And uh, and it was funny is that we have a lot of people now under regular care that came in for the crisis care, but that's because we had the policies and procedures in place to be able to kind of shift their their mindset. So that was a huge the huge growth for us. Um, what else did you want to say about that, my dear? 
Uh, nothing. That was it. That was it. That no, was I think you just, I just said, you just have to understand what, what that means. And a lot of people want to work less, not more because they're burnt yeah. out. Right. And so if you are able to manage your energy throughout the week, you'll, you, you can work a few extra hours throughout the week without being burnt out. So it's not, it's not a randomized, let's just open up a couple hours and be, you know, slaves to the practice. It's a real dedicated system of understanding your energy output, what you allow into your space and having that ability to do so if you need to. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll come into the end of our time. Um, what kind of words of wisdom do you want to leave um, the listeners around the world with today? Well, I just think wherever you are in practice right now um, is probably where you're supposed to be. I think the awareness is like, all, every podcast we do is all about self-awareness, which is in, in the, in the pyramid of, transformative uh, business and life practices, self-awareness is the base of the pyramid. It is the biggest part of what we teach. Um, It is more so about that than anything else because it doesn't matter what you do if you have no awareness of where you are now. It's tough to change anything you do. And so, you know, recognize that we're all and we're all doing the best we can right now with the information that we have. And there's so much that is out of our control. And there's so much that is contraindicative to our belief system about health promotion, that if you allow yourself to get drowned in that, you're, you're going you're gonna to die. You have to really, really be cognizant and aware that, you know, our people in our communities and our people in your practice um, do want something different. They, they, it might say, take them some time to recognize that. But in order for them to really stay there long enough, you have to be healthy and you have to be aware that there are things that you can do that don't require a huge ton of your energy to really change um, how you rebuild or what you do in the future with your practice. And so I think it's just this podcast was just an awareness of some things that you can do to really watch that you don't keep and, you know, nicking yourself with a thousand cuts over and over the same injury that we had in March and April. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's important. We want you guys all to do well out there. So, so thanks so much for joining me again, my love. Thanks, honey. <laughs> and so for everybody out there, I hope you guys are looking after yourself and thriving and, and increasing your surge capacity so that you can serve the people out there. And until next time, shift on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.